Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of the cool things we do. So thank you for coming here today. One of the other initiatives we have is the Act 2 and Coverfly Industry Mentorship, which you can apply to at coverfly.com backslash career mentorship. Mm. And if that is the first time you're hearing about this, Go back and check out our episode where we first announced it. If you want to know more about what that is, I think it's super cool. And everyone who's doing it is having a blast, which is what makes me happy. Is it? Is it what makes me happy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes I love when people are happy. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow, that suspicion is really going to eat at me. <laughs> Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming topics. You can give us a rating, write a comment, and that really all helps us get in front of other writers who are not yet in the Act 2 family. So please do that. That's really helpful. Uh, if you'd rather yeah. DM us to Heckle Josh, please, mm -hmm. please do. You can do that at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram or Twitter now at act two writers um, i'm also on both at story thursday on instagram and tasha 3.0 on twitter and i am joshua hallman on twitter and josh hallman on instagram and i'm actually really excited for today's episode yeah this is our best one ever <laughs> we're gonna do a little this week in writing a little fireside chatting partly yeah. because just some interesting things in our writing world have happened this week and if you're not familiar with fireside chats, they're like Josh and I's favorite thing to do, uh, yeah, where I we love it. <laughs> where we find like interesting stories that we've heard recently from other writers, and they're usually really great examples of tricky things that come up in your career, and we kind of talk about them and brainstorm how to solve them, and that's always really fun. So that's what we're yeah. doing today. Sometimes I'll be talking with friends who are writers, and I'm just hoping they tell me a scenario that I can then regurgitate on our podcast exploit. <laughs> Ex yes exploit like what's your story and is there a better ending to this how's this guy <laughs> can i make no. up a different ending <laughs> okay um let's start with this week in writing do you want to go first or should i go first you go first i'll go first i'm going first <laughs> okay. okay so have you ever seen the show never have i ever no do you know what the show is no Okay, it's Mindy Kaling's show on Netflix. It's in the second season. I really enjoy it. I binged season one, uh, you know, last year, and then recently season two dropped, and I binged it in like two days. Whoa. So I'm not going to give any spoilers, but this is what I'm going to say. At the end of season two, there is a crucial information dump where a girl basically, like one of the friends of the lead character, opens up and just you know, spits out all of this information and not in a mean way, but she, uh, she didn't in, intend it to be mean, but it was done in a way that it wrapped up a lot of different, like not mysteries, but things within the story. And it was a really big emotional moment that she just kind of like spit out. And it mm -hmm. felt a little weird because it was like the end of the season and things were ending. And it was just a very quick way to wrap up the show. Can I ask a question? Yes, please. Is it like the equivalent of watching 
a murder mystery show and at the end it's just like the detective saying exactly what happened like is it yeah was it that kind of setup in a way it's not as heavy as that but mm -hmm. yes in 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 terms of like a relationship yeah that's that's kind mm -hmm. of what it is so i watched it and i was like oh my god i can't believe they just wrapped up that storyline so quickly and it's a very major relationship storyline it was kind of like this thing hanging over the second season and i was like but why did it work mm. and i was thinking like usually that doesn't work and then i started to think about this character who spit out all of this information and this character is set up throughout the the show is kind of like you know someone who would give out this information not like a blabbermouth but so you know she's just kind of like she talks loose she lips. talks a lot yeah god i can't yeah loose lips there we go tasha and <laughs> and she's also a very funny character and it was mm. done in a very humorous way and so it got me thinking like oh this works because of the character work that was done on this show she's a very quirky character and it is in her character for do to do something like this mm -hmm. and i thought it was just a very convenient way to kind of solve these if you ever find yourself in this problem and you're like what do i do you're like i'm gonna get a quirky character to solve this murder mystery for me in yeah. the final 30 seconds of the show which <laughs> kind of leads into season three and that's my this week in writing it was more of watching but that's interesting uh, yeah always character you can if, if your character will do something it won't seem crazy when yeah. you're watching yeah especially too i find if your character does go crazy and just drops a lot of exposition having another character comment on it just simply being like whoa you know just, just even like that just having another character within the scene react maybe the way the audience would or call attention to it can actually help you get away with a lot Oh, totally. If something's really weird and you're in like a haunted house and someone calls attention to it, you're good. Yeah, exactly. As long as you call attention to it, you're yeah. good. Yeah. So anyway, that was my This Week in Writing. My This Week in Writing is very embarrassing. Oh, God damn it! You should have started first. <laughs> but exciting at the same time. Let's see. So this is a story I've actually been meaning to tell for a while, mm. but I keep forgetting. But it came up today in a different way that makes it very applicable. So when I was an assistant back in the day, many years ago, part of my job was to go out and greet anyone who would come into the lobby to meet with my boss. And the standard thing is to be like, hey, you know, like so-and-so is going to be out to meet you in just a second, but please take a seat. Would you like any water, coffee, tea, anything I can get you? Let me know. And usually they say they want water and you, you go about your, your day. But this one particular day, this actor was coming in who I personally really loved. And okay. <laughs> usually actors didn't come in, by the way. That wasn't a thing. And usually I'm, I'm not weird around actors. I sort of don't care about fame and actors and all of that business. Not a thing. But this was one particular actor that I just really loved from a series that I really loved and sort of had geeked out about. Oh. And... <laughs> I know who the actor is. It's one of two people. <laughs> it's one of two people. And so I went out and I and I and I greeted him and I was really, really nervous. And he asked for coffee. So I go and I get coffee and I come back, he's sitting down. So I'm standing above him and I'm handing him his coffee. <laughs> and my hand is just like shaking. Like ridiculously shaking to the point where the coffee's like spilling onto the mm. saucer that I knew I needed because I was going to spill it <laughs> and, <laughs> and he like goes to grab it and looks up at me like 
what the fuck is happening? And I said, I'm so sorry. I've had a lot of caffeine today and <laughs> it's just a coffee high. And he's like, okay, girl. And I, I go back to my desk and then it's time for me to like bring the actor in. And I'm like, oh God, how do I show my face again? I go back out. Okay, come on, come on back. And I like doubled down, which I do. If you know me, I always double down when I'm nervous. Josh knows this. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I just get diary of the mouth. So as he's coming in, I, I'm like, don't worry. I've I've shown my boss all the clips that she needs to know about you. Like this, 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 and this. And oh, I no. immediately knew I sounded like the craziest fangirl that you can imagine. But I, I meant to just like... A, just talk and kind of like ease him and like make a joke. I don't even know what I was doing. So anyways, <laughs> that happened many years ago. Cut to, I get to choose who I want to act in Tomb Raider. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. And today I got to watch this actor record in a studio doing this character that i wrote for him wait he's amazing. in tomb raider he's in tomb raider i'm more offended that i haven't heard about this until right now <laughs> no this you podcast this. is done oh you told me <laughs> i told you oh is it worse that you forgot it's uh, a big deal this for podcast me. keeps going <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just telling this story because i feel like dreams do come true this is someone i had wanted to work with but there was just absolutely no way to go from like nervous girl who spills coffee on him to one day hiring him to be in her show and yet here we are and it's just amazing and i wasn't nervous at all did he recognize you no because it was all through zoom and i had my video off. <laughs> <laughs> you were shaking on the other end <laughs> damn does he know who you are? You have to you have to bring this story up to him. I've That's debated whether to do that or not. <laughs> I figured I'd do it after he's recorded and there's sort of no turning back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just quits. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? What did my agents get me into? Okay. Well, when Tomb Raider's released, we'll we'll start telling we'll we'll name names. Okay. <laughs> I regret telling this story, actually, because I feel like I don't want it to come out later. No, 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 no. That's a good one. That's a yeah. great This Week in Writing. Yeah. That's an inspirational cool. This Week in Writing. It felt pretty, pretty darn awesome, I have to say. It's pretty cool. A little surreal. Well, I don't even know how to follow up with that, so you keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, this, I mean, following along with the inspirational theme, you yeah. actually sent me a video this week of Serena Williams' coach, who is yeah. talking about something that I'm sure Josh can speak to much better since you follow tennis. But apparently there was this match where Serena Williams was like deathly ill. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a tournament, like a an tournament, entire tournament. An entire yeah. tournament. Multiple matches. M oh my gosh, that makes this story even crazier. But he says that at, at that point during the tournament, she could do nothing but stay in bed. She was so sick, but she had this huge tournament and she'd like stumble out of bed, go play her match, win it, and then go right back to bed. And the coach was saying that people like Serena Williams will literally see the world differently and mm -hmm. that they make their own reality. And the way he described it was really interesting where he said, you know, I'm definitely putting words in his mouth, but let me just say who he said. Novak Djokovic. 
<laughs> Novak, who okay. Is, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> no idea who that is. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like maybe you should tell this story. No, no, keep going. I, I want to hear how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, this guy, Novak, um, <laughs> will walk into a room and look at a blue chair and say that chair is red. And it's not red, but when they look back at it, it will literally look red to them. And you'd think he was being dramatic, but you could tell he was being serious and literal when he said this, because then he tells that story about Serena Williams, who was absolutely in no physical shape to go out and win, and yet she did. She simply turned on a different reality when she rolled yeah. out of bed, is what he was saying. And you sent me this insane video after I sent you a video about The Rock, who posted about how he talks himself into working out when he doesn't want to, because The Rock, like, works out at, like, 2 a.m. when everyone's asleep. He probably works out, like, five times a day, but one of those times might be at 2 a.m. And he's like, no one will know if I don't work <laughs> out, but I'll know. And yeah. he says the way he talks himself into it is he reminds himself of all of the hard times that he's been on when he had no money, no career, and presumably, I'm guessing it's partly like fear of ever going back there that kind of drives him on, but also a reminder of how far he's come and that he's come this far because of this work ethic. So these two videos combined, I think, inspired both of us this week because it all applies to a screenwriting career. No, I, I absolutely think so. I, I think like you can definitely create your own reality in screenwriting to keep yourself in a sane spot, as insane as it sounds. What do you think is the reality that you have to create as a screenwriter? Well, it's a, it's a fine line, I think, because when, you, when you're looking at sports, it's, it's really easy to be like, I have to keep practicing. I have to keep going. And there's something that you can, you can do. You can like practice and you can play a match and you can get your head in that space. Mm -hmm. With screenwriting, so much is out of your control that sometimes you have to just be like, this is going to work out. Everything is fine. And like you have to like talk yourself into the scenario of why things work. And usually things are working out. And usually it's not like the worst case scenario, but your mind is, 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 is either your best friend or your enemy. Yeah, you can go 100%. one way or the other. Yeah. You know? I think because you like the sports analogy with screenwriting, can it. you then say that, yeah, you can go out and hit a ball against the wall if you're practicing by yourself with tennis, but you could also just make sure you write every day. And yeah. that's, or like watch a movie if you can't write and study it. So there are things you can still do to like keep yourself moving in the right direction. You know, sometimes we're depressed or for some reason can't write because we can't get our brain there, but maybe there's something else you can do to at least not waste that day. I feel totally. like Serena Williams or The Rock are not going to waste a day not doing no. anything. <laughs> I know I personally live in a place of just total fear at all times <laughs> where I'm like, in my head, I'm like, if I don't do this, I'm going to end up in Wisconsin, back to where I don't want to be, back mm -hmm. to where I moved out. But no disrespect to Wisconsin. I, 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 I love all of my friends in Wisconsin, but you know what I like, I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, I, I remember being like, I need to get out of here. And then you come out here and you, 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 you go through all these things and it can very easily go away. And you have to remind yourself that you just have to, you, you have to just push through and get shit done yeah. and just treat each day. I don't mean to sound like the fucking secret or an inspirational poster, but you have to like treat each day. Like this is it. You have to get this done. Yeah. You do inspire me, Joshua. So it's okay wow. if you're an inspirational poster. 
um, in the Act Two store, inspirational posters just, with just you. Here's <laughs> quotes. Yes, doing it. Do not go back to Wisconsin. <laughs> but yeah, but that was great. I loved that. The uh, first of all, Novak Djokovic, the chair thing, the Serena Williams thing. You just will yourself to it. And just one more thing about this with writing, like you said, like. A lot of times people take days off because they're like, I'm tired. And that's fine. That's justifiable. But you have to do something, mm-hmm. I think, to kind of nourish your own soul of writing to be like, yeah. I did something today. I did not do anything. Yeah. Honestly, if you go a week without writing, I feel like I've never done that. <laughs> so like, it's just, like even back in college or whenever I decided I wanted to do this thing for reals or at least give it a shot. I couldn't go a week without writing something down, even if it yeah. was my own personal story or a short story, whatever. So, um, yeah, it's doing it not every day. If you, if sometimes your brain just dies, but yeah, it does. Actually, this is a perfect transition into uh, this week in writing. That's sort of a this week in writing, but not really. Yeah. The other day, you asked me if I took naps. Yeah. <laughs> Because I wanted one so bad and I wanted you to justify me taking one. (laughs) It's like, drink an energy drink. (laughs) Yeah, like stopping a lazy ass. (laughs) But uh, sometimes you need to nap. You need to refresh your brain and get back on track. Really? Wow, this is such a change. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking drink coffee. Gaslighting me. I don't know what to do. (laughs) I know what the healthy answer is, but I also know what my, my answer is. What you do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not healthy. I just drink caffeine. Is your this week in writing you just did? Don't be a lazy ass and don't nap. Well, <laughs> another <laughs> inspirational one... <laughs> poster. <laughs> yeah, you know, just get up earlier and drink coffee. Oh man. Well, there's no good segue to my next this week in writing. <laughs> Should I just do it anyways? Because <laughs> that was depressing, yeah. and now I'm just moving on to business. All right. I love it. My last this week in writing is actually, technically I stole it from you, so sorry, but it's the John August thing that you sent me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he said, and I quote, I'm a big believer in scripting out opening titles. Not only do they set a mood, they can begin telling the story. And then he posted the opening of the script for Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, which takes you through a very active moving montage of how the factory works while the credits are rolling. And it's not to say that they put literally the credits in the writing. They just said at the top of the first page, credits roll as blah, blah, blah happens. Um, And then at the end of that sequence, end credits. So that's what he means literally when he says scripting out the opening titles. So my question to you, Josh, is have you ever actually written a credit sequence into your movies? I have not. I've thought about it often. Really? What stopped you? I was just kind of like, this is a little presumptuous. Like, Hmm. shouldn't I just write the story? (laughs) It's not my job to do the opening credits. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's like, we. hey, listen, I know what this is called. Like, it's on the title page. Doesn't Shane Black do the titles in Lethal Weapon? Oh, my gosh. I have done it once before. I wrote a a script called Numbskulls with one Alex Ott throwback. Oh, my God. Do you remember that script? I don't remember the script, but I have the title page like very firmly in my head for some reason. (laughs) Can I just tell you what Numbskulls was about real quickly? It was about um, some high school friends who release a 
serial killer into their hometown mm -hmm. and this serial killer was like a former like drug dealer in their town he was like a teacher and he sold pot to everyone and one night they smoke weed out of this skull of that's right i remember that the drug dealer and yeah. then they bring back the serial killer and so it's a it's a it's a pot horror film <laughs> <laughs> so in the opening credits on the on the page we wrote a very elaborate like intense smokes drifting up the screen like there's a shot of this there's that there, and i might do it again i just got fired up talking about it It looked like it yeah yeah i feel great i think they're fun i i've done it a couple times most recently i did it in one of my pilots where i wrote a cold open so it's an actual full scene so I didn't write credits roll at the top. I just went in and wrote the scene. And then at the end of that scene, wrote cut to title. And then I had the title like centered on the page and like yeah. really cool font or whatever. So in this particular case, the cold open felt like it was making a kind of very clean and surprising statement about what this world was that we were about to go into in my show. So it's like one of these title cards. It's kind of meant to like slap you in the face a bit uh, yeah. when you see it. I think that's when it's really effective is yeah. when it, it's, it's, it sets the tone. You're like, mm -hmm. this is what we're in for. Boom. Fucking John Wick or whatever it is. You know, like yep. you, you, that cold open really can uh, set the tone and then you just go into the title and I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my advice on it would just don't do it all the time. Do it only when it matters. Yeah. When you're setting a tone or setting yeah. up a world and that that's a it's a nice little prologue and i feel like people might have more patience for that kind of setup that kind of prologue if they're watching credits over it versus yeah. if like the credits go and then you're in the movie and what the hell am i watching for some reason that's just how we watch movies yeah all right whatever makes the read entertaining that's uh, just make that it a good read that's good at the end of the day that was a great this week in writing I thought it was fun. I'm good. Episode what? over. <laughs> Done. Have a great day. <laughs> Fireside chat. Fireside chat. Yes. Let's this go. Is, I'm so excited. Do you want to go first? You go first. You go first. I'll go in the middle. Okay. Yes. Fireside chat. We're going to give you guys a scenario. Talk about how this was all handled, dealt with. And uh, let me jump into this here. So a friend of mine wrote a script, has a production company attached to that script. That production company wants to package the script. And what mm -hmm. that means is they want to get as many actors as they can, a director, and they want to get these people attached before, you know, trying to sell it to Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, wherever. So currently they are out to directors, but it's taking a long time to get responses. Hmm. And someone within the company slips it over to an actor, a rather large actor. And it's an actor that could definitely kind of shift things to get a director and kind of push the project in the right direction. The actor reads it. The actor likes it. But the actor says, I don't want to attach myself unless there's a director. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, like I said, it's taken a little while to hear back from directors. And in fact, one director even said, yeah, I kind of like it, but I'm going to pass because there's not enough like attachments to the film. Oh, no. Meaning there's not enough <laughs> actors. So the director only wants to attach themselves with an actor. Mm -hmm. So the star, or not the star, but one of the bigger actors wants to find a director. 
the director wants to find a star and it's kind of this chicken and egg scenario and so tasha mm. i ask you over this oh, no. amazing fireside chat number one what would you do as the writer mm -hmm. and number two what would you do or how would you handle it if you were the producer I feel like as a writer in these scenarios, you have very little agency. It's not expected of you to take any role in this part of things. It's usually the producer who's the face of these kinds of conversations with talent. Unless you are a really big writer who like you're part of the talent pool that's responsible for this. But if I was super desperate and this was my one shot and I felt like the producers weren't getting it done, something I might do is go to my agent or my mm. manager, say, hey, this is what's going on. Can you call the producer for me? I'd start there. I would call, can you call the producer and just get, get us all on the same page so that we can make this happen? Worst case scenario, it's like, no, I'm gonna pause. Because what I was gonna say, worst case scenario is you have your agent or manager like call if they have a yeah. relationship with that actor or with that director. But again, that feels like a step too far. And I know we always say like, do whatever you can to get your movie made, but just in terms of like politeness and the way behavior works in our industry, that feels like you, that's way out of bounds for you to contact them or your reps to contact them. But you can have your reps contact the producers so that you're on the same page and have a plan yeah. of attack. So that's what I do as a writer. Now put your producer cap on. Okay. Well, which came first, the director saying that or the actor saying that? That is a great question. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, is it not just as simple as being like, hey, actor, we have this director who's really interested and I can put you in touch to see if that's someone who interests you and let them kind of have that conversation to see if like this is the package. Because if the director also wants an actor, you can also talk to the director and, and say, hey, we have this great actor in mind for it does that change your mind does that move the needle for you yeah by the way i don't know the conclusion to this yet this is a work in progress i can't wait to hear what happens yeah me neither i mean it's 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 interesting because i think things like this happen often where it's mm -hmm. kind of like this happens all the time in the entertainment industry oh I, i'll become attached when someone else becomes attached and it's mm -hmm. this constant balance and we should get a producer on to not answer this question, but just talk about that and like how they handle it. We desperately need to do that. We've been wanting to for a long time because their point of view is so interesting and so different than ours. So um, yeah, in the works, we'll get in that in soon. All right. So that was my first fireside chat. And I, I guess if as a writer, just know that that's a very common thing that happens mm -hmm. when trying to package something. It can take time. Yeah. And you feel so helpless in that process. So helpless. It sucks. Particularly yeah, like in you, features. Right. Yeah, like you said, as the writer, you just kind of sit back and say, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Do nothing. Yeah. That's why having your rep contact the producer is like your only avenue because that's your relationship with the producer. You don't have a relationship with the actor. You don't have a relationship with the director, but you do have one with the producer. So, ah, but that's sort of all you can do. Again, unless you're bolder than either of us. Like, I feel like if someone had the guts to do it, they would just call the actor's agent and be like, yo, this is the script. They should do it. Here's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just depends on who you are and what you can get away with. Yeah. You definitely hear crazy stories like that working, but probably more often they don't. <laughs>
All right, Joshua. Yeah, well, I'm so excited. One day, you get an email from a producer that you met last year. Mm. And he says, hey, Josh, I may have a rewrite job available for this time travel movie. Uh, yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> but you're currently working on another thing. So you are busy. But this is a new job that is literally just going right into your email. You'll, you'll have to pitch for it. It's not like, hey, here's an offer. You're going to have to mm. convince them still that you're, you have a take and that you can write this. But they're cutting the line and coming right to you. What do you do? I would say, I love time travel. Could I get a little more information about the project? I would love to pitch on it. Okay. Producer says, yes, absolutely. They meet with you. They send you the script that it's based on because they said it's a rewrite job. So there's already a script in place. You take the meeting and kind of chat about it. You immediately see when you read it how you'd fix it, right? Oh. Like, I mean, you're, you love time travel. You could probably just see and that was the case with this writer in this story too like it was in their wheelhouse and they could see how to fix this script so it feels almost like an easy job to take in a way the producers then say after you pitch your ideas to them wow your pitch is really great and here is some history with the project that we're dealing with just so you're aware it's set up at this studio okay we have a director attached to it and this is what the studio and the director both want from the movie we think you're going in the right direction here, but would you be willing to put a pitch together to go to the director? That's like the first step. We're not taking you to the studio yet. Will you put a pitch together to go to the director? Okay. Okay. So you're going to do that. This is like a choose your own adventure. Right, yeah, no, this is so that. exciting. <laughs> you take about a week, you do your pitch, you kill it. The director loves it. The producers on the call all love it. This is the movie they want to then take to the studio and basically tell the studio, hey, hire this person. This is who we think can can rewrite this script for us. This is wow. the time travel movie we've been dreaming of. But the problem is the studio no longer has the rights to the original script that you read that they want you to rewrite. They don't have the rights oh. to it. So the studio says, hold a beat, Josh. Uh, we're going to think about whether we want to renew the rights or not. We probably will, but we, we have to run it by some people first. So you wait. And a week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by. Oh, no. And during this time, another producer that you've worked with before reaches out to you and says, hey, we have this problematic script. Would you be interested in rewriting it? And the script she sends you is time travel but oh. it's a father-son story set in the world of the Goonies. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and it's also set up at a studio. Now, real quick, I want to talk about kind of why that detail is important. Because set up at a studio means that a studio like Universal or Warner Brothers, Amazon, Netflix, they own this project. They have invested money in it and they have the best intentions of making it so what that means is they've either bought a pitch from someone they've bought maybe underlying ip a book an article something like that or they have a script already as in the case of this story with this writer okay so it's set up at a studio now i would say feel free to disagree with me but it feels like more than 
like 90% of the time, I think for most writers, unless you're at a really high level, most of the time, the job opportunities coming your way are not set up at a studio. And this is mostly because studios are billion dollar companies and they have very little interest in investing money in a writer who has not yet proven that they can get a movie or a TV script to the finish line, right? Get it made. Because if nobody else in this industry has invested money in you to produce your script, why should they have the confidence in you? So if you're working on a project that is not set up at a studio, that most likely means you're working with a production company and that production company then intends to try to sell your script or sell your pitch to a studio when it's done, which is why studios are also called buyers. Yeah. Now there are like gray areas in there that we're not going to go into today. For example, this has happened to me where I have a project set up at a studio, but we still need to go sell it to a buyer who will help finance and produce it and handle distribution. But that's all stuff for another day. The point is here, yeah. As you can see, there is a much longer runway if you're working on a project that's not set up as a studio. But new, now you have two emails of producers being like, hey, we have projects set up at a studio to rewrite. Do you want to do that? Wow. So, Josh, you have two different producers. One says, hey, here's a time travel movie set up at a studio. Hey, here's a time travel movie with the Goonies and Father Son Story also set up a studio. What do you do now that you have both of these? Do you try to do both of them? Do you pick one or the other? What do you do? Oh, that this is a really, really difficult. This is like Sophie's choice right here. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. The way that you pitched the second time travel with a Goonies father-son relationship makes me just want to go all in because mm -hmm. that sounds like one of those like lightning in a bottle, this will never come my way again type things. Mm -hmm. So if the project were one of those projects and I was like, this is my only chance to work on exactly why I'm in the <laughs> entertainment industry, yeah, <laughs> then I would figure out a way to work on that. Okay. What if I told you- Oh that... shit. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like sweating. <laughs> Me too. All right, what if I told you that both of these time travel movies were set up at the same studio? First of all, this sounds, this sounds, I'm, I'm actually happy this actually isn't happening to me <laughs> because I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. I would, I would talk to my agent and manager and be like, what do I do? But what does that mean if it's set up at the same studio? Will will you burn a bridge? Will the studio? Well, that's I think what's so interesting about this story is for the because you definitely want to do the Goonies father son time travel thing that ticks every single Josh Hallman box that exists. Yeah, I'd be done writing. But the other time travel one clearly piqued your interest. It's time travel. You love time travel. Like it was the thing you wanted to do until you found out about the second thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this writer is now faced with this choice because here's the thing. Let's pretend that they're at completely different studios. One's at Universal, one's at Warner Brothers. And the one you want to do is at Warner Brothers. So you just tell Universal and the producer and the director that you've pitched to is like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like it's taken you guys kind of a while to get back to me, which is fine. But in that time, I actually got another offer on a movie and um, I don't, have the time in my schedule anymore to do that 
and then it's kind of a white lie. You're getting out yeah. of it. And now you're moving on to this other one at Warner Brothers and kind of no one's the wiser. Right. But, but the problem that we have is that they're both at Universal, let's just say. Yeah. And if you tell the first one with the director and the producer who are excited about you, who are ready to take your time travel pitch to Universal, and you say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. And then a month later, you get this job over here with a different yeah. Universal exec. That first Universal exec is going to know that happened because they meet, they talk, they know what each other are working on. And that first yeah. Universal exec is going to say, what the fuck, Josh Hallman? You said you were too busy to work on my project, but you're going to go work on Joe's project over here. What I would probably do is, and if I really, really wanted to work on the father-son Goonies time travel adventure, I would probably call the first time travel producer, maybe even director, and just open up my soul to them and be like, listen, guys and girls, I need to do this other thing. This is why, yada, yada, yada. It's somewhat conflicting. It's, you know, like, I get it. I understand how this looks, but you have to understand this is something I have to do. I just have to. And that's probably how I would handle it and just... Uh, that's extremely honest of you. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's the only way because it sounds like one way or another you're going to get caught in a lie, you know, if you're going around, or I'd get caught in a lie. <laughs> but if you, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're like white line and say, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just too busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's this sounds like one of those scenarios where you're, you're, you're gonna get caught. Yeah, right. Yeah, it does feel like the best method is to be honest. And I wonder if there's a way to be like, you know, after all this time, after sitting with it for the three weeks, you sort of left me to my own devices. I'm not sure I'm the right person to do this anymore. Do you say like, hey, this pitch that I gave you that you like, I, I know that you've invested time and excitement in it. You've you sort of put yourself behind it to the exec at Universal. So, it, you know, there's some reputation of your own yeah. that's that's put in the pot a little bit. So I know it, there's something at, at stake for you if suddenly I pull out, right? Because they've said, hey, Universal exec, I have this project that Josh is going to write and he's going to kill it. So I wonder if there's like a consolation prize where you can be like, take take the yeah. the pitch that I gave you, I'll back off and I promise yeah. not to require story by credit or anything, just go for it. That'd be a nice gesture, yeah. If you really, yeah. really want to get out of it. Or you just hear it. Or you just do take both? It. I don't know. I don't know how that works either because I imagine some studios are probably like, what the fuck, you can't do two movies at the same time because one's going to be bad. <laughs> Like how how do you have time to do two movies at once? Yeah, Which of course and they're both time travel. People do that all the time, but yeah, and they're both time travel. I mean, that's yeah, that sounds like a big conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky yeah. scenario. Yeah, but if I, I if I really wanted to do one more than the other, that's what I would say. And then yeah, if I really wanted to, I'm conflicted about leaving behind, uh, or just t saying here, take my story, go, mm. just run with it because. On one hand, it's almost like you're doing the a nice thing, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, when you're good at something, never do anything for free or like never do it for free type idea. I totally, and that's that's the thing that, that sort of comes up for me too, just even mentioning that idea. But something else that comes up for me is relationships is so much a part right. of our business that in this case, are you losing more by saying, yeah, I'm not gonna do it, I also, 
you can't use my pitch either. Thanks. That's going to burn that bridge with the producer, the director, maybe even that universal exec. Um, or you let go of the, the pitch and you preserve that relationship. It's sort of, I don't know. It is a Sophie's choice. Yeah. Uh, this is also I, a story that's unfinished. So uh, if oh. there's an answer, uh, I will bring it back. But yeah, it's an yeah, interesting, I, I would, difficult one. Got to follow your heart, man. That's why we're in this business, right? To follow our heart. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that why we're No, right? I mean, you know, yeah. that's the ideal. That's why <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it's the ideal. If you can do that one thing, but you have to, you know, maintain your relationships. And here's the good news. You can always write yourself out of any problem. So, so if you burn a bridge today, that script will rebuild it in like five years from now. Yeah. That actually reminds me of another story. That's a oh, mini, mini fireside chat. I have a friend who's a director and they made a movie and they ended up having a falling out with one of the producers on the movie. Oh. And this particular producer had the ability to be like, oh, we have a falling out? All right, cool. Then this movie's never going to see the light of day. Mm. And this was going to be this director's calling card for their next thing to like get the big movies and directing and writing is a bit different right because i do think you can write yourself out of any situation because you can there's so many other people who can see a script right but if that producer has the rights to your movie you can't get it from them yeah so er, relationships are important is the moral of the story yeah relationships are important it's really complicated. And I, I, I say it half jokingly where like you can write yourself out of anything. You, you kind of can, but you also don't want to get a reputation for being yeah. a very difficult asshole. No. Because people just won't want to work with you. It's like I, I have a friend who calls people uh, life's, life's too short people. Like, yeah. Meaning like when, whenever they reference this person, it's like, oh, that's a life's too short. I don't want to deal with that person. Yeah. There's got to be just a, a short hand for that. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, that really does. Yeah, that's a really great. Uh, I yeah. Well, that's it. That those those are that's my fireside chat. Uh, it's it's a pickle. I'm gonna throw one more in. One more fireside Ooh. chat in. Yes. yes. This this I think is a short one. This happened like I was catching up with someone just today, and this scenario kind of happened, and I was like, hey, <laughs> you mind if I bring this up? And, and I was talking to my uh, my friend about it. So. Let me let me let me start this by saying, my manager, it, he produces some of my things. Like mm -hmm. he is attached as a producer, and what that means is when we develop something together, and really develop something, we talk through characters, we talk through story. He'll off the bat be like, "Hey, I want to come on as a producer with this," and I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. It's never been a problem uh, for he and I. I know that some people might, you know, like you can look at it and think." That's that's strange, maybe whatever. But for us, it's been great, and he's really transparent about everything. And I say that because so a friend of mine mm -hmm. has a manager who he's he's like it kind of started as like a hip pocket thing, and then she kind of turned into his manager. But they developed something together. Uh, they wrote a spec, and that manager came on as a producer when they wrote the spec together or when he wrote the spec. So it, this was a long time ago. 
years ago. It didn't sell. And now the writer is, you know, off working on other things, but the writer wants to go back, my friend, wants to go back and start to revise the script because mm -hmm. like, he's like, there's something here. I have potential and this and that. So my friend starts making some tweaks. He wants to even change the title. And he's trying to essentially repurpose it into something new and something fresh. Mm -hmm. Like he thinks he can do it. He, he's like, it's been long enough. Like, I, maybe I can take this out again. I'm like, all right, cool. So this writer is pretty connected with different executives. He even has a connection with some actors. And he was telling me that he was going to start sending the script to certain executives and he was going to try to slip it to some talent. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't going to tell his manager. Mm -hmm. who's, who's like his current manager now. Yeah. Okay. And, but they kind of have like grown apart. Like she is a manager, but it's like a, like I said, a hip pocket situation where he needs okay. a new manager essentially. So I'm like, Hey man, why aren't you going to tell your manager? And he said it was because he feels that that manager is going to be like, this is a waste of time. Like you should be working on something new. You're kind of beating this dead horse of this script that we already took out. And we already tried to, uh, tried to sell. So I gave my friend advice before I tell you what I said, I want to ask oh, you, no. <laughs> what, what would you say, given that very long-winded scenario? I mean, that if that's context? his reason, I think that's a good reason. If your manager doesn't believe in your script, but you do, go for it. This is where being your own advocate does become important and valid. You have to make these choices. And the same goes if this was a producer who wasn't going to do anything on your project and take the manager piece out of it entirely. Your, your producer is like, eh, I don't really believe in it. I'm not going to send it around. And you're like, well, I still believe in it. So I'm going to send it around. And if I sell it, yes, you'll still be a producer on it because we had that agreement. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do the legwork if you're not going to do it. And I think that's totally valid. That's my final answer. Okay. What'd cool. you say? I, I basically said the same thing. I said, hey, just send it to whoever you feel comfortable sending it with because they are his contacts and he knows these people. Mm -hmm. And then I said to contact his manager and just tell her that he's already done it. Yeah. I'm like, hey, heads up, manager. I sent this. I kind of changed X, Y, and Z around. I just wanted to give you the heads up. Here's where it went to. Boom. And That's she it. can be mad, but at the end of the day, if she wasn't doing her job for the project, that's sort of how it goes. Yeah. But I also found this interesting because I almost didn't talk about it, but I was like, I think this is a common thing. Yeah, it's super common, I think. Especially where you're like, I have this script. It's awesome. I wrote it eight years ago. Like, what do I do? Like, mm -hmm. is it just gone forever? And one, on one hand, it's like, maybe, but maybe not. Like, scripts never die. Mm -hmm. If you have the relationships with people, you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah, especially since he rewrote it, too, and gave it some new life. We'll see. Also wow. a work in progress. This just happened today, so I'll, I'll let you know what happens. Okay, I'm excited. Wow, we're going to have an awesome follow-up Fireside Chat. I know, follow-up Fireside Chat. Hopefully we remember. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to retell these stories yeah. on the next Fireside Chats. <laughs> Well, that was really interesting. And this is why I love Fireside Chats, because all these scenarios are so vastly different mm -hmm. and all present totally new problems 
that we don't expect we have to face, I feel like, when we sign up to be screenwriters. Yeah, these are little mm. things and they're very relatable. And you, I hear these, you know, just you hear this and you're like, oh, yeah, that that's happened to me. That's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. It's just something that can happen. Yeah. I think, honestly, if anyone out there has uh, their own kind of fireside chat story, you know, something that's come up for them that was really tricky uh, or that's that's come up for you now and you're you're kind of curious how other people, other writers might approach it, please feel free to, to shoot us an email at actyourwriters at gmail.com because this is all stuff we're getting from, you know, people we know and screenwriters we know too. So, yeah, let yeah. us know your real life stories. That's how we all learn. Yeah, totally. And this is kind of like why we even do the podcast in a, one reason. It's like we overlap with stories and these emotions and we're like, oh my God, that's happened to me. We need to talk about mm -hmm. this. And before you know it, it's happened to everyone. Yeah. It's like a, like you're being haunted by the same ghost. <laughs> yeah, but if you're alone, you're scared and you think it's never happened to anyone ever and you're the only one who's being screwed or you're the only one who's yeah. confused. <laughs> Little do you know, it's a friendly ghost that's just kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> and it's fine. We're all, we're all with the ghost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I'm really bad at wrapping up. All right. Quote of the day to finish this off. I've made up little mantras for myself, catchphrases from a screenwriting book that doesn't exist. One is, write the movie you'd pay to go see. Another is, never let a character tell me something that a camera can show me. Taylor Sheridan. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Act2Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha3.0. And I'm on Twitter at Joshua Hallman and Instagram, Josh Hallman. And just real and quick, that quote's awesome, by the way. That's it is quote. awesome, right? Yeah. Thank you. Fuck. Just rethought my entire screenwriting life. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. As always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.